This is Big Talk, Michael Glab here. Those of us of a certain age can recall the days when the daily newspaper was the source for information about what was going on in the world. And it wasn't just the news of the world. We turned to our daily newspapers for the latest on the state and local fronts as well. I grew up in Chicago at a time when more than half a dozen daily papers thrived. Bloomington natives can recall three daily papers, the Herald Telephone, later to become the Herald Times, the Courier Tribune, and the IDS, the Indiana Daily Student. People in Bloomington could also find, in various locations around town, papers from all over the world. Sadly for many, the days of the daily newspaper are rapidly coming to an end. Most daily newspapers that survive are hanging on by a thread. Several years ago, I did a feature for the WFHB Daily Local News about a fellow named Jack Dopp. He's been running a newspaper distribution service in and around Bloomington since the early 1970s. At one time, he and his crew worked all hours of the night to fetch stacks of papers from various cities and train stations and got them out to stores, magazine stands, and to subscribers' homes. Now that the era of the daily newspaper appears to be coming to an end, I thought it might be fun to listen to the entire interview I did with Jack back in 2016. Jack Dopp, the man who brings your newspaper to your door. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> Jack, thanks for being on Big Talk. It's my pleasure. I'm glad to be here. Jack, you are the proprietor, the big boss. The big boss. Over at Bloomington News. Now, how the heck do you get those newspapers into this town, and what do you do with them when all those bundles are here? I go up to Greencastle every day to pick up the New York Times, and it's kind of a hassle, but at one point, we used to have to go all the way to Lafayette, and I had a truck run to go to Lafayette, and that was probably, we did that for at least 10 years, through the bad weather and through all the deer. Uh, we every every early morning before the sun even comes. Single in. morning, leaving here about one thirty in the morning, every morning. It's still one thirty in the morning, but we go to Greencastle now. I think over the years we've probably hit ten deer on the way oh my <laughs> to or fro from uh, that area. So we've gone through a, quite a bit of uh, work to get the New York Times here in town. Of course, there's a history behind all that. Going way back, a guy by the name of Jim Spanath, who owns, who used to own Book Corner and Book Nook, which was about a half a block from campus, mm -hmm. way back in the day, and um, starting way back in the 30s, I think he started the New York Times in the 50s somewhere. It might have been 40s, I don't know. Anyway, he used to get the New York Times uh, on a bus at the old Greyhound Depot, uh, over in 10th and Walnut, and he, he'd be hanging out there every day waiting for that bus to come in and get his papers. No kidding. Yes. And uh, on Sundays, he used to have his son go all the way up to Chicago to get the inserts for the New York Times. And um, they Those used to are the days when they used to print up the inserts days in advance, mm -hmm. you know, the guts of the Sunday paper. Yep. 
and then the actual news section would be printed up, you know, as late as possible. Right. I used to work at um, at bookstores where you'd get the inserts uh, maybe Thursday night or Friday mm-hmm. morning, and they'd sit there and wait, and then you'd get the rest of the paper. Boy, lots of history we're talking about. Well, guess what? They still do that. Yeah. I get my inserts for the New York Times usually on Friday. Uh-huh. And we store them in my warehouse. And then I've got a couple guys uh, who stuff them Sunday morning, or else Saturday night, Sunday morning. And when we come in to pick up the papers, they're already stuffed, ready to go. And by inserts, we're talking about the magazine, the book review. Exactly. Uh, uh, the the weekend review, right. the, uh, not the sports section because that has to be timely, but right. the news and the sports section yeah. would come in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A little history. We back in the day, I used to handle every newspaper in this town, from the Herald Times to the Chicago Sun Times. Uh, we handled that for around thirty five years. Uh, we did all the newsstands for them. We, we had everything from the Chicago Sun-Times, the Chicago Tribune, the Louisville Courier. Right. Uh, of course, the New York Times, the Herald Times. But that was, it was quite an operation. I had uh, seven trucks, 15 employees. And we'd get there at 1 in the morning, be busting our butt all night long to get those papers out. And we traveled all the way to Terre Haute, Indiana. Mm-hmm. We went to Indianapolis, Columbus, French Lick. Dropping off bundles dropping of off papers. papers. at various stores and wow. hotels. So it was a huge operation. I just got to the point one day, I said, that's it. It's too much. <laughs> so I pulled in just into Bloomington. Yeah. And gradually over the years as I've aged, I've been dropping papers wow. one at a time. and. You were talking about Jim Spanith's oh, yeah. operation. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. He was the bookstore, right. uh, the book corner yeah. owner, but he also was a distributor, as you say. Well, he, yes, he had a great system for delivering newspapers. He didn't. If you wanted a New York Times, you had to go see Jim. It was a great system. You mean you didn't get it at your home? You didn't, not only did you not get it at home, it wasn't at any other retail outlet. He was the guy. He was the only soul. New York Times distributor. And if you wanted a Sunday New York Times, you had to go down to the book nook mm-hmm. and get it. And it was always fun to see that people lined up down Kirkwood in front of his store, and he had this long, uh, out in front of the store, which is gone now, but uh, in front of the store, he had all the papers lined up on the, on the uh, ground, up against, leaned up against the building, five, six hundred of them. And people would come by and get their New York Times every Sunday, and that was how you got it. Like I say, he used to go to the bus station and pick up the daily. He had 50 copies come in, and it was one very good edition. Um, but people had to go to his his store to get it. If you he had it locked down. He had it locked down. Did he decide to get out of the business at some certain point? Well, it was because he passed away. Yeah, yeah. And his son took it over for a bit. But then the New York Times decided they wanted to do home delivery here. And when that happened, that pretty much put the kibosh to uh, the Spanish line of the thing. Yeah, his and monopoly. Yeah. His monopoly went. From there, I took over the uh, home delivery, which has grown and grown and grown and grown. And, of course, there's 
a lot of speculation now that newspapers are waning and uh, home delivery is waning. Mm -hmm. But for the New York Times, because of its uniqueness... It's a national paper. It's a national yeah. newspaper, and it's a very good newspaper. Right. Uh, the home delivery on the Sunday New York Times is better than it ever was. Still going. Still going strong. And of course, you attribute that to good carriers that I have that deliver it for me. But um, also content. I mean, it's just really good paper. The Sunday could last you the whole week for oh, God's yeah. sakes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, easily. So let's try to figure out how you got into this crazy business. Who aspires to, in a sense, you're like an elaborate paper boy. Yes. yes but you're much more than that. <laughs> well, it just become, it became a business. Yeah. Um, let's go back to first questions. Okay. Where were you raised? Uh, I was raised in uh, East Gary, Indiana. It was sort of a, a mill, uh, all the mill workers yeah. lived there. And it was a conglomeration of every ethnic group you could possibly imagine. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people from Kentucky and Tennessee. Coming up for bit Coming for up for work at yeah. the mills. And um, so it was very much, uh, using the vernacular of the day, rednecky. My brother and I, who came from Chicago, my parents moved down there. My brother started a newspaper business at age 12 or something. A newspaper business? Yes. What does this mean? Well, he had all the newspapers available, and he had routes all over the place. And he used to hire me to deliver them for him. Of course, he helped out. but Using what? A, a cart? He a used bike? to use a cart and okay. bikes and the whole deal. And so I got in indoctrinated in newspapers at a very early age, like nine, nine years old. No kidding. No kidding. And you know, out there in the, the winters up there in the northern Indiana, it was tough. Yes. You know that from Chicago. Sure. So anyway, that's how I started in newspapers. And I had a route all the way through high school, uh, various different newspapers, the Tribune, the Sun-Times, so on. Wow, you really stuck to it. Yeah. I worked at the Gary Post Tribune when I was in college as a driver, hauling bundles all over the Gary area. And then when I came down here to finish off my schooling, my brother had taken over the business here of the Indianapolis Star. So I worked for him while I was in school. Again? Again. He went bankrupt. Various people took it over, and they all went bankrupt. And finally the Star came, to, I had just graduated, and they came to me and they said... What did you study? I was going to be a teacher history, social studies, that kind of thing. And um, I never did, you know, did my student teaching as far as I got. So anyway, they came to me and asked me if I'd want to be the distributor. They needed somebody. They needed somebody. I had the experience, so they came to me and I said, sure, we'll try it. Well, why wouldn't you go bankrupt then if everybody else did? What was, well, what was it about the business here that made people go bankrupt? Well, the one thing you have to do when you're in business like that, especially in the beginning, is you have to do it. You've got to get up at 2 in the morning and deliver the papers. Right. And put them out to the new carriers, new stands, and so forth. You can't depend on others to do it. All the others was always paying somebody else to do it. Huh. And uh, so I did it myself, and I did okay. So I started with the star. And I did that for, I was with the star for 20 years. And Just doing the star? 
No, I picked up the Louisville Courier. Okay. That was my second pickup. And then from there, I picked up the Herald Times, or the Herald Telephone at that time. Yeah, yeah. And there was another newspaper called the Indianapolis News. Ah. Which was an afternoon newspaper, which was... For, for any possible younger yeah. uh, listeners, there used to be morning and afternoon papers. And here, here's an exactly. interesting thing. As you know, I grew up in Chicago. Right. Well, the Sun-Times and Tribune were morning papers. The American became the Chicago Today. And then there was a fourth paper. Chicago News. Daily News. Daily News. Yeah, where Royco started. Right. The funny thing is, that paper would come out maybe at, a, at 3.30 or 4, it'd mm -hmm. hit the stands, right. and they'd have the first three innings of the Cub game, <laughs> the yeah. box score of yeah. the first three innings, yeah, yeah. and, and the, the headline would be, uh, you know, Cubs leading 3-2 to two in yeah. the fourth. Yep. That was the headline. Yeah, well, I actually handled those newspapers. Yeah. I handled the American and the news, uh, news a little bit later when I was a kid. And, of course, the Tribune and the Sun-Times in the mm -hmm. mornings. So I did morning and evening. Uh, I had routes with that. And um, Did you ever sleep? Well, mm, in class. <laughs> <laughs> in cla the Chicago American actually named me the newspaper of, paper boy of the year. No kidding. Yeah, and uh, they had a write-up in the paper and a picture and all that. I think I was <laughs> 10 or 12 or something like <laughs> You know, I was a paper boy for the American oh, as really? well. Uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I remember once throwing a paper at uh, someone's door and breaking the window. Oh, I did that a couple oh, times. Oh, my God. I, I started crying. Oh, dear. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that, what would I have been? Maybe uh, 11? Mm -hmm. Maybe. You know, and I Great lessons learned, kid. though. Yeah. Well, <laughs> don't throw it at the window. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> See, that's one of the sad things about nowadays. There aren't any paper boy and paper girls anymore. Hmm. It's all uh, adults. Now, why? Um, well, it, as the papers have shrunk, the routes have gotten more scattered. Uh-huh. And they do it by cars and trucks right. and so on. The, the evening, even back in those days, was going downhill, the afternoon paper, because they just, people weren't, they were watching TV news th mm -hmm. at that point in there. You know, my son had a route. He had a route Your for son, the artist. My son, the artist, lives in L.A. I had him work for me later when he was a teenager, uh, stuffing newspapers for me on Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. And when you're finished, you had the black hands? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He always thanks me for that because it gave him uh, a discipline Really? To work. and uh, He didn't hate you for it. He didn't hate <laughs> At the time, he wasn't all that pleased. Right. But, uh, the way I worked it was that if he wanted uh, extra money, work for it, you know. Yeah. Go and stuff. It was a good job for him. Why don't we get the Chicago papers anymore? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, I loved <laughs> reading the Tribune every day because I loved the Cubs. And I was doing the Tribune... Probably over a 15-year period down here, something like that. They changed ownership. It starts with a Z. And well, right. Sam Zell bought Zell. Uh, the Tribune Company. Right. When he bought the Tribune Company, uh, they were running at a deficit. I mean, they were losing money hand over fist. Right. And so he decided to make a bunch of cuts. And one of the big cuts was to stop printing in Champaign-Urbana. 
uh-huh. he had a plant there and they were printing the Tribune out of there and hauling them down into Indiana and all the way down to here. Uh, we used to actually pick them up in Greencastle and bring them down here every day, just like we did in New York. I had a separate truck run for that. One day they just said, well, sorry, that's it. It's no done. more Indiana. You mean you got a day's, you got a one-day notice? Something like that. I don't wow. know, it was very short notice. So uh, that was the end of the Tribune here. I've tried several times since because the New York Times is printed at the Chicago Tribune. Right. In Freedom Center. Freedom Center. Yeah. And so I keep on trying to see if they'll throw a bundle on of Tribunes, but they get out so early that it's before the Tribune prints. You know, over at the book corner, every once in a while, someone comes in, where's the Chicago Tribune? Sorry, we don't have it. You're kidding. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, you're you're an old timer when you say that, because a few people know that out of time. There used to be out-of-town newspapers mm-hmm. in the big bookstores and so forth. There'd book be a corner. whole wall. Well, you the know, book corner has quite a history, as you well know, yeah. uh, of all the newspapers I used to bring in there. Of course, one of the big ones was Louisville Courier-Journal. And the reason that was such a big one is because all the gamblers liked it. The bookies used to come in there all the time looking for the Louisville Courier for the races. No kidding. No kidding. And uh, I used to know the book, several of the bookies in town here that would come to the book corner <laughs> to get their Louisville Courier Journal. So when it pulled out of town, it was not well taken. <laughs> <laughs> so when I started working at the book corner, we were still carrying the gold sheet. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That was, you know, it, it had the odds. Well, th- those those kind of publications would come out on a daily basis and have the odds of, of the different horse race tracks right. around the nation. Right. But then uh, they sort of branched out into other propositions and games and so forth, and so then they'd have the odds on the NBA and the, mm-hmm. the NFL and so forth. But we don't even have that anymore. Yeah. It's an Internet world, obviously, mm-hmm. and... Uh, where do you read your paper? Do you read your paper, or do you read it online? I do not read it online. I do not. Why? I don't like it. I've tried. I just don't like it. I'm, I'm an old fogey, so. But you're, you, you can Print. use a computer. You, obviously, you're a business owner. Oh, you, yeah. you, you must be computer, on yeah. screen. Uh-huh. Sure am. But yeah. uh, I like the, the old-fashioned feel of the newspaper. Now, I was getting back to Book Corner. They... Uh, at one point, I used to bring in papers from all over the world to the book corner. Uh, German, English, Spanish, Italian. I think at one point I had an Arabic. I know I had an Arabic paper I brought into town. No kidding. Yeah, I used to pick it up at the Indianapolis airport every day. If you're going to bring in a batch of papers, some of them from Germany, some of them from maybe Saudi Arabia or what mm-hmm. have you, how old would that paper be? Well, the the Saudi Arabian paper I used to get, it was printed somewhere here in the United States. Oh. And they flew it into the airport, Indianapolis airport. And I picked it up every morning about 3 in the morning, something like that. Hmm. And I would have it, it would, same day. I used to sell them at one location, well, besides the book corner. Uh, I sold them at a, I had a paper machine at uh, Everman Hall. Was it Everman? One of those married housings up in the north, 
uh, oh, you mean like Eigenman Hall? Yeah, well, not Eigenman itself. Not Eigenman. It, it was okay. another one up there. Tulip oh. Tree. Tulip Tree. Oh, anyway, yeah. I had okay. a machine in there because there were so many Saudis that lived there at that time. I used to sell them on a machine. Did okay. Yeah. You have to pay for it anyway. The way that I got the out-of-town newspapers uh, from all over the country and all over the world was from an outfit out of Tennessee. Uh-huh. It's called Eagle Enterprises or something. I can't remember the, their exact name, but they had every newspaper you can imagine. And I used to get them on Sunday. What they did is they sent a truck from Memphis, Tennessee, up 65. Right. On their way to Indianapolis. Or not, uh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. And they would leave my papers off in Columbus. And uh-huh, I had a right truck. There. Yeah. yeah. And I would have a truck there to pick them up and bring them back here. There's all this trust involved with mm. this, these newspapers. They, they'd leave a bundle somewhere outside the store or, yeah. you know, against a wall and all that. Yeah. And uh, they weren't stolen. No. Much. No, not much. <laughs> we had more trouble with theft with uh, home delivery. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, well, if you don't leave it up by the porch in some locations, uh, yeah. they have a way of uh, growing feet. When walking when away. walking away. <laughs> so it happens. It has happened quite a bit. Anyway, getting back to these all these out-of-town newspapers, yeah. it got to the point where I had to have people at the book corner order them ahead of time so I knew to order the paper. Uh-huh. And uh, they would swear up and down they were going to pick them up, and they wouldn't. Right. And yeah. so I just had to stop doing it because yeah. I was losing money on the deal. Right, because yeah. so. you had to eat it. Yeah. 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 I thought it was kind of unique and different and all the rest, but it just wasn't worth my time to do it. You that. gave it a shot. I gave it a shot, yeah. How many years have you been running your own business? I started in 1971. 71. Yeah. And you were still in college at the time. I had just gotten out. You would just gotten out. Yeah. I had just gotten back from basic training. I was in the reserves. Uh-huh. Army reserves. And I just got back from basic training, and that's when I took over in February of 1971. That is a lifetime ago. Yes. You said your intent was to become a teacher are you disappointed? There were points along the line, yes. I wish I had been a teacher. But at the end of the day, and I had a <coughs> independent business. I was my own boss. I had a lot of people working for me. I had the opportunity to reach out to a lot of people in my life. All the time I'm coming across new people, interesting people, characters, all the time. And that has been very fulfilling for me. And another thing is, if I may point this out, uh, you're doing physical labor, mm-hmm. and uh, it's kept you in darn good shape. You, I mean, yeah, you're still playing softball, correct? Yep. still playing softball, yeah. You wouldn't have been doing that if you had to spend your days in the classroom. That's probably, probably true. Probably not. Probably right? not. So there were great benefits. There's great benefits. I just, I think I like being independent more than anything else. Yeah. You own a home. You raised a wonderful family. We did. If you... Uh, However, driving or walking around the streets of this uh, fair city, <laughs> you see the red van go mm-hmm. by that says New York Times. Exactly. You bought another one yep. not long ago. Yep. Are those the only vehicles that are involved in the picking up? Yes, that's it. 
Yeah. Uh, we're down to two vehicles. Yeah. And, uh, like I say, I had seven at one time, which right. was overwhelming because you're constantly trying to fix them, keep them on the road. And, and sometimes the drivers you have don't really care that much. Right, <laughs> right. It's not my car. Yeah. Now, um, uh, we were talking earlier, I was telling you that recently I had on Cindy Brubaker, who is the developer of the Eiffel building, mm -hmm. and uh, you told me that you did business with the Fell family, their uh, iron and metal works. Uh, wh how did that work? Well, for years, <clears throat> every time I had uh, a paper machine that was rusted out or on its way out, uh, I would take them over there and get money for them for the metal, the sheet metal. You're just selling scrap. Just selling scrap. Yeah. And uh, over the years, I've had a lot of paper sheets. I mean, a lot. Where does one go to get a paper machine? Well, there's a there's an interesting story. Uh -huh. There's a place called Show Rack. Okay. Down in Texas, I had actually went down there, and they taught me how to work on these machines. You mean like fix them if fix they em. needed? Oh. Yeah, I saw. Well, what what's to, what needs to be fixed on the machine? I mean, uh, the mechanism inside. You mean the coin slot? The coin thing? slot where the coins go in and all yeah. that. And you learned. I spent a week there, like in training. Really? Yeah, uh, Tim Smith from the from the HT and I went down representing the HT, and uh, Tim is circulation director. At right. And uh, so Tim and I shared a room down there in Texas. Uh, going through their plant and learning all the ins and outs of newspaper machines. When you need a machine, you order it directly from a manufacturer like that. Yeah, show rack, yeah. yeah. And there's several others now. As far as I'm concerned, uh, I've given up totally on newspaper machines because the price is too high. And so it just priced the newspaper machine out of business. The price of the machine? Price of the paper. Now, so. promise you won't clunk me in the head, okay? <laughs> Go ahead. I'm an online subscriber I knew that. to the New York And Times. I forgive you that. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. I thought I would have been somewhat like you saying, I love the feel of the paper. I've got it in my hand. It's mm -hmm. mine. I own it. Yeah. I'm used to it. But at some certain point, I discovered I don't want to do the actual paper anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, you get your hands dirty from reading the newspaper. Yeah. And you have to do something with the paper once you're done with it. Now, let me tell you the drawback. You know what the drawback is? You have to pay extra to get the puzzle, the crossword oh, puzzle. Oh, is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. I, and I was, all, I was all happy. I said, I can't wait to do the crossword puzzle. Uh -huh. And then I tried it and said, no, that, that's an... It's a different premium subscription. I and see. Dirty so-and-so. Yeah, so -and -so. yeah, trying to get money up there. Yeah. So you're pretty certain that this is going to carry you through the rest Till of I your stop. life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, when are you going to stop? Uh, I'm not really sure. Um, you ever think about it? Uh, on occasion, yeah, especially in the middle of the winter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm trudging around in the snow and so on. My guest has been Jack Dopp of Bloomington News. You bring the world to Bloomington. It's been great. It's been a great career. I've enjoyed every minute. Jack Dopp, thanks for coming on Big Talk. Well, thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. Jack Dopp will run his last daily newspaper shipment May 31st. We wish him a long and happy retirement. <laughs> <laughs>